Let us pray. Lord, you are good and you are enough and you satisfy and you are sufficient for us to meet all our needs. You're holy and pure and you call us to live holy and pure lives. You call us to call upon your name. And Lord, we want to call upon your name right now for those in our congregation who are suffering. We pray for uh, Julie. who just had her baby in the last 48 hours and... Uh, Things went uh, very wrong for her and uh, very close to um, losing her life, but you had mercy on her. You've made provision for her, and I ask that you would heal her and uh, get her out of ICU and recovery soon, Lord. And I pray for her husband, Io, that you would strengthen him. Thank you that their baby is healthy and May you be with her son as well. Just encourage them that you are in control, you love them, and you have sustained them and protected her. Pray also for Emily, who had a baby yesterday, very difficult uh, birth as well, that you would help her to recover and have mercy on her. Thank you for their child, and give Ryan wisdom to love her and encourage her during this time. Things can be very scary. And Lord, we live in a world that is scary. You're, you're, you've called us to be salt and light in this dark and even evil world. We see this evil and wickedness around us. We saw it yesterday in the evil and the wicked racist march in Virginia. We see the evil and demonic white nationalism, this white supremacy, Nazism on display, spewing hate and creating acts of terror as they injure and kill people. And Lord, we, we ask directly that you would intervene and may they repent. May they repent and turn to Christ. May they repent. And Lord, if there's anyone in here, if there's any hint of racism or uh, white supremacy or nationalism within us, may, may we repent and turn to Christ for forgiveness. And Lord, we also intercede for those who are experiencing uh, anxiety and fear as a result of this rhetoric and this violence of those who seek to instigate hate. May you bring grace to our brothers and sisters. May you bring grace to our society. And may you use us as a church to uh, bring grace and love and mercy by your spirit. All for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Over the summer, we're taking a break from studying through whole books of the Bible. We finished Revelation. Next month, we're going to Song of Solomon. That's what we're doing. And we're doing this series called The Trivial Life, exploring and escaping the default mode of the human heart. The question we are pondering is, why does your life often tend to trend toward that which is trivial? And the answer that we've been discovering is that the bent of the human heart is toward triviality unless intentionally directed to do otherwise. That's the point of the series, 
to push back against the default mode of the human heart so that you can live a life pursuing that which is significant and important. You are not destined to live a life of futility, but a life of of consequence as you engage the critical aspects of life. And this life of significance is possible because of Jesus Christ. Through him, we have been given new hearts. Our old hearts have been taken out, and the new heart has put new desires in us where we can have the desires of the heart of God. And the opposite of this trivial life is what we've been calling the weighty life. When we think of God and all of his glory and his attributes, it's quite weighty. You see, the weighty life showcases God and all of his perfections and glory. So we live lives that highlight his glory and the way his weightiness by living lives that honor him. But if you find yourself trending toward that which is trivial rather than that which is weighty, you have to ask yourself, what is off? And what's off is a worship issue. We worship people and stuff in the place of God. And some of the things that we worship are these, what we call idols. And last week, one of the things we looked at is that we worship money in the place of God. Of God. And this week we're going to talk about worshiping sex and the place of God. We're going to talk about sexual ethics in the trivial life. And this is a topic for everyone in here who wants to honor God with a life of purity and holiness. So let's go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' words, Matthew 5. And let's go ahead and stand as I read the passage to you. Matthew 5, starting at verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin... Tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual morality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. You may be seated. This teaching is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is laying out kingdom standards of those who follow him. Disciples of Jesus are going to display this righteousness that exceeds the religious leaders of the day. And the radical obedience is not mere externals, but comes from an inside-out renovation of the heart that touches on all areas of our life, including our intimate lives. And I would say there is probably no greater struggle within our church than on this issue of uh, intimacy that crosses the line of into lust and sexual morality. If you ask me what is the greatest problem, that is the problem that I see most of the time 
counsel most of the time and comes up quite often. And it is important that we deal with this. Let me tell you why. Jesus calls you to be salt and light in this world. That means we live in an evil world, and you are to live in such a way where you let your good works shine before others. But you can't do that if you are trapped in lust and sexual morality. There will be times where people will come to church, and uh, I, I, I look at them, and, and over the years, they're just not engaged. I'm like, why are you not engaged? They'll, they'll pop in, they'll hang around a little bit, not say much, pop out, in and out. And, and, and sometimes I find out that they have some secret life. And the secret life that they have is one of lust and immorality that causes them to be numb and indifferent to the things of God. So you may think today, oh, you just want to tell us not to have fun. No, you can have all the fun you want in marriage. We'll talk about that next month, Song of Solomon, okay? But it's just not about not saying don't have fun. It's like, you know what? Live a life of purity so you can make an impact on this evil world. But when you're caught in this trap of impurity, your impact is blunted because you are living this life of numbness and indifference. We just had, had Pastor Emery up here talking about genocide in Congo. This past week, uh, migrant workers from Somalia and Ethiopia were being transported to Yemen. And before they got to the coast, the smugglers decided they didn't want to be caught, so they drowned them all. Within the past few days in India, at a hospital, there are 30 kids who are getting oxygen, and the hospital cuts off the oxygen. The 30 kids with their parents there, they died because the hospital didn't pay the bill. And you're saying, why are you telling me that? What does that have to do with morality or sexual purity? Because if you are stuck in a cycle of impurity and lust and sexual morality, you're going to be numb and indifferent to the suffering of the world. But you say, yeah, but that's out there. That's overseas. No, it's here too. We are called to be salt and light to make an impact on this world. And we cannot do that if we are stuck in this cycle of impurity. That's why today's message matters. So that you live the weighty life and not the trivial life of immorality. So let's do this. Let's start with verse 27. Look at it. Look what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. Okay? <laughs> the religious leaders of the day would teach the seventh commandment forbidden adultery. It's not that the base teaching was wrong. Because committing adultery was a violation of the commandment. However, these religious leaders thought that as long as they didn't physically commit adultery, they were fine. So their purpose in quoting and teaching the commandment was not to get at its true intent, but actually was used as a cover-up for not dealing with lust in their hearts. And what follows in verse 28 is Jesus' interpretation of the law that doesn't depart from the law, but is clearly in line with the intent of the law. Look at it, verse 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I like that it says lustful intent. It's a looking 
to look sexually. It doesn't mean that as a man, you would notice an attractive woman. It doesn't mean as a woman, you would notice an attractive man. That's not sin. I have just freed you from recognizing that someone else is attractive. All right? That's how human beings get married, right? That's how they get married. Yeah? So they meet somebody, and they're attracted to them. That's called a spark. So if you're single, and you meet somebody, you're like, they're attractive. And you can do something about it. You can get to meet them, go on a date. That's a spark. All right? That's a spark. There's nothing wrong with the spark. But if you are single or married, and you see that spark of attraction, and you take it further... That's when it becomes sin. Married people, if you see somebody and the spark happens, right? Can't do anything about it. You got to move on. You got to move on mentally. You got to move on emotionally, right? What Jesus is addressing here is what happens when the spark becomes a blaze. That's what he's talking about. That's looking with lustful intent. That's what he's talking about. He's combining the seventh and the tenth commandment. The seventh commandment is about adultery, and the tenth commandment is about coveting, and coveting happens in the heart. And so when the spark becomes the blaze, it's something that's going on in the heart. It's a looking to look sexually. It is a lustful intent. You can think about King David. He sees Bathsheba from a distance. He has lust in his heart because he's the king. He can do what he wants. And so that led to physical adultery. But the adultery started in his heart. And you may have lustful intent for someone else, and you may not have the power of a king to pull off the the lustful intent, but it's still sin within your heart. God sees it the same way. Here, let's just be real, okay? All of us, all of us have committed adultery, right? All of us have lust, lustful intent. And we have got to praise Jesus who forgives us, right? We have to praise Jesus that he forgives our sins, including adultery of the heart. Praise Jesus on the cross. He is bearing your lust and your adultery. Praise Jesus. And I also want to tell you this. We can praise Jesus for forgiveness for this lustful intent, but also praise Jesus that he gives us power to overcome sexual morality. During my teenage years, I was steeped in sexual morality and pornography, and I tell you what, I I thought I got saved at 19 and sexual morality with other people passed off the scene. Pornography was still there. And I was thinking, you know, this is never going to go. This is never going to go. And you may be there right now thinking, you know, this is never going to go. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you by God's grace and God's power, you can have freedom. You can have freedom and deliverance where it can go. And you're not going to end up one day walking in perfection where you never lust again the rest of your life. But you can leave these things in the past 
by God's grace and God's power. And you can praise him. You can be free of the pornography. You can be free of sexual morality. You can. And you can walk in purity. And hopefully that's some good news for you. Hope so. I want to be encouraged. But Jesus tells us how. He tells us how. He gives us some ways to break out. It's not like, all right, Jesus, I'm just waiting for you to do your thing on me. No, he gives you some practical steps on how to get free. Look at them. Look at them. Look at verse 29. Verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Jesus' argument is from lesser to greater. It would be better to tear out your eye that causes you to look lustfully rather than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Would we agree, right? It'd be better for you to cut off your hand that makes you reach out and grab that which is forbidden rather than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Now, I don't think Jesus is calling for self-mutilation. I really don't. I really don't because you could tear out both of your eyes and still lust in your heart. Anybody want to try that out? Right, you can rip them out both. They'll be gone and still lust in your heart. So what's he talking about? He wants you to take drastic measures to resist and deal with sexual morality. Where you, you poke out these venues of sin. You cut off these inappropriate relationships. You get rid of these questionable practices or anything that is a source of temptations. Or as Colossians 3.5 said, you put it to death. You put to death sexual morality. You put to death impurity. You put to death lust. And you say, yeah, but I think it's supposed to be an inside-out renovation where my heart changes from the inside. Yes, your heart changes as you put to death things in your life. And it's going to be extreme. It's poking out your eye extreme. Yeah, it's cutting off your hand extreme. That's extreme. Look at those venues and those avenues that may cause you to fall or be tempted. And you know, for some of you, that's, that's the computer. And it may sound extreme, but maybe you don't need to have a computer or internet access. You go, well, no, i got to have a computer. All right, then cut off your hand instead. Right? What's extreme? You're like, well, my phone always caused me to fall. Well, maybe you don't need a smartphone. Maybe you need to get a dumb phone. Go back to the flip phone, right? You're like, well, that's extreme. All right, then poke out your eye. We act like, oh, these are such extreme measures. Uh, I was talking to a guy this week who was a missionary, and uh, he lived in an apartment complex with four other guys, all Christian missionaries, want to live holy, pure lives. And so they had this idea of, hey, let's kind of keep each other accountable 24 hours a day. Let's all four guys sleep in the same room. And you're like, that's weird. Yeah, that's extreme, right? Yeah, but poke out your eye, cut off your hand. That's extreme too. Extreme measures to walk in holiness and purity. You can take these measures so that you can follow Christ, so that you can be salt and light in this world. But there are times where something will catch you off guard. 
you're like, whoa, I didn't expect it to happen to me. And you could fall into sin. And that's why you have to always, yeah, always keep in your mind, okay, I need to flee sexual immorality. That's what the verse says. Flee sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 6.18. You, you always got to be ready to run. Always have your running shoes on. You think about uh, Potiphar's wife coming on to Joseph. What does Joseph do? Joseph runs. He flees. When a situation comes up, you don't need to just stretch and, and get ready to run. No, you need to flee. You need to flee sexual morality. And for those of you, I'm just wondering, you know, for those of you who are like 18, 19, 20, 21, or, you know, in, in your 20s, you may think, you know, when I get older, this won't be that much of a struggle because right now I'm younger and that's just the way things are. But when I get older, not the case. You will still be tempted even when you're older. This is what Job said. This is what Job said he, in Job 31.1. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. When he says that, as he's reflecting back on his life, he's married and has a lot of kids. And even Job is saying, you know, I need to, I need to walk in purity. Even Job. And can we just kind of just say, hey, sometimes it's not always going to be visual uh, stimulation that's going to draw you to lust after someone else. Sometimes it will be uh, relationship enticements. Don't always think that impurity happens because someone sees someone else. It could just be like, you know, I am emotionally connected to this person who's not my spouse. And that can cross the line into adultery into the heart. One, one guy put it like this, you know. I'm interacting with this woman and she, she thinks my jokes are funny. My wife used to think my jokes are funny. She listens to me. My wife used to listen to me. She thinks I'm interesting. She gives me attention. You see how this can work? These emotional attachments, it, it can become this relational, emotional adultery, which happens in the heart. And that, that's why there needs to be this, this guarding, this on guard in our hearts and our eyes and our minds and our emotions so that we can walk in purity and holiness. Why? So we can be salt and light and have an impact on this world to break out of this cycle of immorality. And that's the direction that Jesus is going, and that's what he's been talking about. And I wouldn't be a very good preacher if I, if I overlook something, and I'm going to make sure I don't overlook this. When we're dealing with someone who's stuck in sexual morality, we don't want to be legalistic, and we don't want to be too lenient. What I mean by that is we don't want to bash people over the head, and we also don't want to let stuff slide. You ever been in an accountability group? I remember this guy used to come in an accountability group each week when I was living in California. He'd come in there, and he would just gush all his stuff, like, wait, it's way too much information, and he just wants to tell us that. No, no desire to change or anything, just wants to gush it all. I'm like, we're like, we need to push back on him and challenge him. But sometimes, you know, accountability can be too legalistic. There can be no grace. There can be no gospel. And so we want to make sure that we're saw in the gospel and that we, we really press change and grace and change. But I wouldn't be a very good preacher if I didn't point out something to you that Jesus mentions hell. Did, did you see that? He mentions hell. 
And if I don't talk about hell, I'm, I'm leaving out some of the punch. Can believers be motivated by hell? I think believers should be motivated by the warnings of the Bible. I really do. Let me put it to you this way. If you're driving on a windy road in a mountain and there are signs that say, curve up ahead, slow down. What do you think in your head? Oh no, I'm going to go off this cliff and die and never see my family again. No, you slow down and you make it around the curve just fine. So you take the warning, pay attention, and you get down the mountain just fine, right? That's what the warnings of the Bible also do for believers. We see them, we take heed, the Spirit works with us, and we make it just fine. But when you ignore the warnings, and you ignore, if you're just living a life of impurity and you don't care, there's no repentance, I cannot say, Hey, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Once saved, always saved. Oh, you're no, no problem. I don't, it doesn't matter how you live. And I'm not saying you're losing your salvation. I'm just saying, hey, maybe you never had it. And you need to repent. And if you don't repent, Jesus warns you of hell. There was a guy I knew for several years, part of this church, into deep sexual morality, like... Stuff that you would not believe. And then he repented. And just his explanation of repenting was, I did not want to go to hell. I mean, there's a lot of other positive reasons, but that was the negative reasons he gave. That he felt fearful. You're like, how does it all go together? Well, it's grace, it's gospel, it's forgiveness, it's Christ. And those who are saved live and walk in fruitfulness. Not perfection, for fruitfulness. But Jesus puts the warnings of hell there for a reason. All right, shall we transition here now? And let's transition to the permanence of marriage because that's where Jesus goes next. He talks about marriage and adultery. Look at it. Jesus is still talking here. Look what he says in verse 31. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife... Let him give her a certificate of divorce. All right, that's a reference to Deuteronomy 21, uh, 24, 1 through 4. Now, Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4 was originally a backup plan in case divorce happened. It did not condone divorce, but simply made a provision of protection mainly for the woman if a divorce happened. But the leaders of Jesus' day turn the passage into a debate over the grounds for divorce because it mentions that a woman divorced his wife because, you ready for this? He found some indecency in her. That word indecency is key. The arguments over the indecency ranged from, oh, my wife, she's immoral, or, you know, my wife let her hair down outside. That's indecent. Or my wife burned her food. I'm going to divorce her for that. Or maybe the man thinks, you know, I just found a better looking woman than her. So that makes her indecent. You get it? And so that's what the religious leaders of the day were doing. They turned the teaching of a worst case scenario backup plan into a teaching to get out of the marriage. Basically, one scholar puts it like this. Their standards were based on the assumption of failure 
rather than God's original intent of lifelong marriage. They, they weren't to see the passage promoting divorce, but they're supposed to see it as an emergency, contingency in case something terrible happened. Jesus shows that they are missing the point. Verse 32. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual morality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The intent of marriage is one man and one woman for life. Divorce is not God's will and neither is remarriage. And the explanation is that if a man divorces a woman, he makes her commit adultery when she marries another man. Why is it adultery? Because in God's eyes, she's still married to her original husband. The same goes for someone who marries a divorced woman. They commit adultery. And you say, well, why? Because in God's eyes, he is still married to her original husband. And the only allowance for divorce in the context is for sexual immorality, which could include adultery, but other forms of sexual sin. Divorce is not required. If, if your spouse commits adultery, divorce is not required at all, but is allowed if unrepentant sexual sin persists. Now, the Apostle Paul gives another exception in the desertion of an unbeliever. Uh, in these situations, remarriage doesn't seem to be forbidden. But, what, but my point of saying these things is not so that we can talk about all the exceptions on how you can get divorced because that would turn us into the Pharisees who are missing the point. But the point of marriage is that one man, one woman for life. But we all know it doesn't always work out like that. And I know some of you have gone through a divorce. Some of it's been very painful. Maybe something that's really been uh, uh, something that really even evil happened to you and you went through a divorce. And I know even some of you have gone through uh, maybe what you would say is an unbiblical divorce. And you got remarried. And the question you may ask is, so if I got divorced when I wasn't supposed to and then I got remarried, am I living in perpetual adultery? And I would say, no, no, you're not. Did you commit adultery? Yes, you did. Did you repent of that? Yes, you do. But I wouldn't say that's perpetual adultery. You, you repent of what has happened in the past and you walk in holiness in the life situation that you're in. But the point of the past is this one man, one woman for life. Why? Because it represents God and his people together in the Old Testament. It represents Christ and the church in the New Testament. It's this permanence of marriage that God has in mind. But I am wondering, since most of our church is single, I, I am wondering if, if some of you think, you know, I agree, but one day when I find a, a guy or a girl, we're going to get married, and we'll probably... I hope we make it, but we might just get divorced. Some of you think you're, you're doomed even before you start. And then I thought that. I thought that. I mean, my parents divorced when I was 14. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to give this thing a shot, but I'm scared to death. I'm scared to get married. I'm here praying for us. I wife to marry. I'm so scared because I don't want to get a divorce. And I just want to say, you're, you're not destined to get divorced at all. You can live a different life than what was lived previous. 
And for those of you who are struggling in your marriage right now, you, you don't have to head toward divorce. Time can heal. I know it seems like there's no other options right now than just to bail on your marriage, but the, the healing can happen. And I do want to tell you that we are here to help you and to encourage you. Our church is heavily weighted in the direction of helping people in relationships. If you are uh, a woman who is married and you want to be encouraged in your marriage, we have something called FBOW groups, for better or worse groups, where women get together and bash their husbands. <laughs> no, that's actually one of the rules. You can't bash your husband. You get together and you encourage one another how to live godly lives in your marriage. That's in your bulletin and you can get in one of those groups. But one of the other cool things we do is that we have pre-engagement mentoring. So if you're dating someone right now and you're wondering, well, should we? It's an awkward conversation, right? Should Should we get married? Let's go talk to someone who can mentor us and let us know if we should get married or not. They can help us think through some things. We have that. Isn't that cool? We also have premarital, once you're engaged, mentoring. And we also have marriage mentoring. We're heavy loaded on these sides. We want to encourage you in your marriages, in your walk with Christ, in your relationships. But we're also heavy loaded with regard to encourage you to walk in purity and holiness. And that happens primarily in our ethos communities. Our ethos communities are like our small groups, and most of them meet together, men and women, and they break up for times of accountability, and that's where it happens, to encourage one another to live lives of purity and holiness. But that is never going to happen for any of you if you isolate yourselves. If you pop in, pop out, isolate. If you continue to isolate yourself because you have some secret thing going on where you are ashamed of it, but at the same time you don't want to leave it, you've got to put yourself in the community because if you don't, you're going to continue to be numb and indifferent to the suffering of this world and you will not function like salt and light and let your good work shine so people can glorify your Father in heaven. And if you're so ashamed of what you are doing, You need to know there is grace. There is forgiveness. Jesus paid it all. The penalty for sin has been been taken care of at the cross. You're not condemned in Christ. There's grace. There is forgiveness. And there is the ability to change. And that is going to happen in community. So don't isolate. Jump in. Just gave you so many avenues. FBOW, mentoring, but primarily ethos communities. Jump in and experience the gospel of walking and the weighty life together as a church. Let's pray. Lord, I, 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 I have a burden for the, for the men in here who are stuck in a cycle of pornography. And I just ask, Lord God, that you would show them where freedom can be. Give them a picture of what that could look like. And they may be so discouraged and so down on themselves. Let them know that there can be real freedom in Christ. And may they not isolate. May they stop isolating themselves. Even convict them right now to not isolate themselves. And I, I pray also for the women who 
uh, maybe trapped in, in pornography. The women in here may be stuck in pornography or uh, anything else going on in inappropriate relationships. And I just ask, for, uh, pray for the single girls in here, Lord, that you would give them purity and holiness and that they wouldn't isolate. They would talk and stay in community with one another. And Lord, I pray for the marriages in here that, that tend to, uh, right now maybe they're hanging a thread and they're just wondering if they can make it and that they can keep going. Let them know, Lord, that you are there, you care, you've not abandoned them. And I ask you, just minister that to all of us, that you care, you've not abandoned us, you're here. And you've called us to be salt and light, and you want us to throw off those things that hinder so we can walk in holiness. And I just ask, Lord, that you continue to do that in our hearts and in our minds, starting on this day, starting right now during this time of worship and communion, like right now, Lord, that you would awaken us to see there is forgiveness in the cross of Christ, and there's grace to be had, and it is ours. May you do that work now. In Christ's name, amen.